coming to you, undead from the crypt. This is Adelaide Horror Podcast with Zombie Joe. <laughs> Welcome to the Adelaide Horror Podcast. This is your host, Zombie Joe, and today's episode is number 23, and it is Cop Horror. So I'm going to be looking at Anthony Del Blasi's The Last Shift from 2014, and I'm also going to give two horrible mentions as well to Deliver Us From Evil, which is also 2014, uh, starring Eric Banner, and Body Cam 2020. Um, so the the premise and the theme of this, this episode... Uh, is uh, cop horror. So basically, as horror fans, we all know that when the the main character or the final girl or a group of people or a person is in trouble, um, usually midway through the film or the quarter end of the film, um, they they ring nine one one if their cell phones are working. <laughs> that's the, that's the other kicker. Uh, so if the cell phones are working and they manage to get nine one one or triple zero, if it's an Australian uh, uh, film, uh, the cops come, the first responders attend, ambulance, fire brigade, the police, uh, sometimes in extreme measures, the, the army turns up as well. So the, generally the first responders. Um, and so for this episode, we're looking at the cops. So the cops will come um, and attend uh, to uh, assist the, uh, the characters. So depending on the film, but the majority of the time, as we all know, um, they are pretty much fodder, um, like immediately. Uh, that's that's kind of a psychological tactic on the director's part to say, well, we've just taken away your hope, and that hope was the trained personnel with the guns. Now what are you going to do? Um, that That's kind of the, uh, the play there, the mental play when they do that. So... Um, yeah, so I kind of trolled through some horror films where I thought, okay, what what is a, a horror film where it is the police officer or officers versus the evil, and that's the entirety of the movie. So um, that's where The Last Shift came into it. That's why I picked Deliver Us From Evil, and that's why I picked Body Camp, because the, the flagship police horror movie that I think of when I think of cop horror and we all would immediately is David Campbell's Maniac Cop which is which is uh, fair enough that's the that's the flagship uh, for this episode so the one a little bit off from that for me would have to be The Last Shift and funnily enough there's nothing in the title uh, artwork or in the title that would even suggest this like it's just called The Last Shift it's when you read the synopsis you kind of find out that way that that's what it's about but uh and i came across this movie at a video shop well the last video shop that uh, well dvd store uh, showing my age uh that uh, that i attended before it was officially that's it all the dvd shops in adelaide are closed um so uh yeah that's that's how i came across it and like i said reading the synopsis that's how i found out what this movie was about but uh, there's no indication that this is like a cop movie um at all and so when i found out uh that it was and that the premise was actually an officer versus the evil i thought wow that's that's actually um that's actually pretty clever so i uh i looked into it a bit further and was really impressed by this movie and it, it impressed me on many levels and okay so first off the title 
the cover art of this DVD cover. Now, I haven't jumped out of my skin <laughs> from a DVD cover in a very long time. And I'm going back to when I used to jump out of my skin when I was a kid going to the video shop and seeing, you know, the the life-size cardboard cutout of Freddy Krueger or the massive pre uh, the poster for Fright Night. That was the one that really freaked the crap out of me. Just visually looking at the poster, like I was terrified of it. So um, when I rounded the corner at this, uh, it was Fairview Park. It was the last video shop and I'd just moved in. Uh, uh, together with my wife, we moved up into the house and and this is where we we're kind of settling and uh, I started going to this local video shop and uh, there it was, you know, um, this Fairview Park was the last kind of video shop up there and I was, I was hiring non-stop all the videos from this store uh, and I kind of had an inkling this place was going down at that point. Um, but uh, I kind of hoped on hope that I'd hung in there and a lot of people were in there. Like, it was packed. Like, I'd, I'd go in there, for, you know, Friday, Saturday nights and uh, it was chock-a-block. But I don't know how it was during the week. So, obviously, you know, in the environment, and this is pre-Rona, um, it just closed down. Uh, it couldn't, we couldn't afford to have the staff, which was a real shame. So, I think, um, anyway, prior to it closing... Uh, I went to, I would just buy up, like I said, you know, go to the weekly horror section, buy up a whole chunk of stuff and uh, just watch it. And that was my Saturday and Sunday nights. That's what I loved doing it because my wife was working. I was on my own. We didn't have a little one then. So that was that was my, my time uh, to, to watch what I wanted to watch. So, um, and yeah, it was, it was the glorious days pre-Netflix, I think, for me anyway. So that's, that's how I roll. Um... So yeah, anyway, rounded the corner to head for the uh, the horror section was near the new releases. So once you looked at the new releases, you turned around and you had a whole shelf full of the weekly horror section. So um, yeah, interesting way they designed it because I was thinking, shit, if I was a kid and I just turned around like while mum and dad was looking at the, the new releases and I came face to face with Evil Dead or Hotel Hell or something like that, just scared. So I'm assuming there's a lot of scarred kids out there uh, from turning around in this uh, new release section of the video shop. I'm going to call it a video shop. Fuck it. I'm not going to call it a DVD shop. I, I won't. I refuse. I'm just going to call it a video shop. Um, so anyway, that was... So I ran to the corner, like I said, for the probably the fifth fucking time now, old man Joe. And <laughs> and and so, yeah, just came face to face because this DVD was uh, face level on the shelf uh, of the, uh, you know, the half smiling, you know, this uh, this guy with long hair and his face has got this upside down pentagram carved into his face and the needle like teeth and the red eyes. And I was... And it was the last shift, and it, it just made me jump. And I was like, yeah, I think I just had my last shift. Like, like looking at this cover, like, I think I'd, I've got to go home now. Uh, I think i pooped my pantaloons. Uh, so so uh, I read the synopsis, and I was uh, was like, whoa. Like, it, was, it, it got my attention. So I was like, okay, I'm going to check this one out for sure. So I bought up some other horror films. Can't remember what I got. And that one just stood out, like... And uh, brought it home, watched it, and I was just like quarter of the way through near the end. Where so I'm, when I'm going to review this, I'm going to have to stop at one point because I won't be able to go any further because there'll be a major spoiler kind of plot twist reveal, and it'll wreck the whole thing. So 
I got by the time I got to this point, I was just like, "Wow, this movie's really got my attention." And then with the t the plot twist and how it ended, I was like, "I've got to own this movie." Like, and that's that's why I kind of massively got my uh, my vote, and is why it's the feature film today uh, in this episode. So, uh, yeah. Anyway, um, let's get a little wriggle on of the information about the film so um it's so it's directed by anthony del blasi um now he did the midnight meat train uh and it stars vinnie jones and uh, i'm blanking on the other guys uh, something um uh bradley cooper there you go i was gonna say toby cooper fucking hell i don't know where they've <laughs> i'm just inventing bloody character names now um yeah anyway and he was on there pretty early in his film career if i think if if i'm not mistaken it may have been his first i don't, I don't know I, I haven't got the info in front of me so not to take a gamble on that one but it's very early in uh in his career anyway um and uh yeah so it was written also by anthony del blasi but he was joined with uh, scott uh, poley now he's worked with him before um scott uh, poley as well uh his wife uh, mary is in this movie um, and she is uh, Birdie. She plays Birdie, this character Birdie. Um, but she's also the producer of this film. It's not the first time this has happened with these guys where they've got together, they've made a film. So uh, Scott and Mary uh, produce and direct or produce and write and cameo in their own films as well. So Scott's in this. He plays one of the hazmat guys at the end of the film. So he's the bold guy. You uh, you'll see. I'll chuck a picture up so you know who I'm talking about. Um, and uh, yeah, so it's a bit of a bit of a family combo couple thing going there, which is pretty good. Uh, and uh, this so it was released in the US in October 2015. So perfect for Halloween for those guys over there. We didn't get the stick until about 2016. We were kind of late to the party on this one. I was trying to work out when, like this was, this was the case, and, and it must have been 2016, um, because, yeah, that's oh, well, I won't waffle on why I think that, uh, but yeah, it's 2016 anyway. Uh, it's an hour and 28 minutes in total, including credits. So for on the six minute mark, uh, the the tension and the creepiness begins, and then it goes from like tension creepy to tension terror and this is a steady increase throughout the whole entire um film so i did quick maths so for about 70 minutes it's just her getting completely tormented like by these demon affirmations um and um apparitions for fuck's sake i keep saying affirmations demon apparitions anyway so if i say it again in the show you know what i'm trying to mean anyway follow, follow along with the old man here and uh yeah so the apparitions throughout the whole thing and you literally see her in 70 minutes disheveled in front of you like physically and mentally disheveled like she's just totaled by the end of this film so it's amazing to see it because when she starts she's got you know the the cop tight hair and the bun and uniforms clean she's ready to roll you know this is her first shift she's a rookie it's she wants to impress she wants to hit the boot you know hit the ground running with the boots and you know and uh and then you just progressively you know see her just come undone like by uh, all this demon taunting 
uh, in the in the film. So the location for this was uh, was an interesting one while I was doing some research on the on the movie. So it was actually a real life police station in Florida, uh, and I was kind of thinking, wow, okay, because midway through this movie, I'm like, this holding cell, like it's like legit doors with the noise and all that, and I thought, mate, this this prop design. Uh, involved with this was, was pretty intense if they had to make this um but no it was pretty clear that it was done on location so it was actually a abandoned police station uh in florida um so the interesting story behind this is that anthony and uh scott while they were writing this script they had a script for a haunted story but that it wasn't necessarily a cop one when they just they were searching for locations they found this one and and managed to get permission to shoot it and it was like in the movie like they mentioned in the film in real life the police station had moved to another precinct uh and they started a new brand new facility there and so this one got left and abandoned where it was so these these this was just sitting there so they managed to get all the clearances and ticks and balances and were able to shoot there so which was the score so uh anthony and scott actually rejigged their script in order to be able to add this and made it a cop versus um you know a ghost slash david uh, david demon um movie so i thought that was pretty cool um, I'd give it an 8 out of 10 and for first time horror I'd, I'd probably say no this is more um, this would be way more um, uh, watch a couple of horror films beforehand and then check this out this is this will like someone never seeing a horror film before and suddenly watching this will scare the shit out of them like and I, the reason for that this film made me jump not like once like a few times and i was like whoa and i was seriously creeped creeped out a, a few times and i've watched a lot of horror movies so for me to kind of be a bit you know on the heebie scale uh going off a bit through this film i'd, I'd probably say nah let let uh whoever you're showing let them watch a couple of horror films or whatever and if they're kind of into it then then say okay let's let's do last shift if you want to be <laughs> a nasty pasty and scare the crap out of like the thing well then go for it mate this would be the movie that you want to do it to uh so yeah uh, very yeah it's scary in some bits uh and there's a lot of jumps and correct lighting and music used and stuff like that and i'm not talking like crappy jump scares that are cheap like this is legit done right horror like i've taken some notes myself if i ever wanted to kind of shoot something this is how i would do it like in that um kind of uh gorilla learning yourself filmmaking thing so cool I've got uh, the cast. Now, the cast is played by Officer Lauren. Uh, this is uh, Juliana Hackaway. Now, she plays the Black Canary. She's in the Flash, DC, uh, Legends of Tomorrow, uh, and Arrow, and two episodes of The Walking Dead. Now, I'm not sure what season of The Walking Dead she was in, because funnily enough, there's another cast member in this, and that's Joe Payne. Um, that's uh, Joshua Mikkel, who plays the lead demon big bad guy in this and he was also in the walking dead for a quite a few episodes and he played joshua 
So I'm not sure if this is the same season that they've worked on. But anyway, they've worked together anyway on The Walking Dead. So <clears throat> you've uh, so she's the new police officer, brand new to the to the force, just starting, and this is a actual her first shift. So um, it doesn't say how long her shift goes for. Uh, all I know is that it finishes at 4 a.m., which is a really odd time to finish a shift. Uh, usually it's six till six. Like I've done overnight security, and it's six till six. Like it's not. But you're with a team of people. You're not just plonked on your own. Well, where I am anyway, you're not plonked on your own. So uh, to there's other shift workers that start at four o'clock, but your shift doesn't start, doesn't end then. So I, I thought that was a bit odd. Um, he did say relieve, so I think maybe that's the kind of the same hours. But anyway, I won't crap on that too much but yeah so i just thought that was a bit odd the hours and you don't really they don't show you that either you see a ticking clock moving like the hour hand moving around but you don't actually physically see the clock or what actual time it is it's it's i think it's done deliberately to disorientate you how long this has been going on for uh you don't know whether it's going on for the last five minutes or the last five hours you don't know you know um so yeah um Officer Cohen is the other character you introduced to. He's played by Hank Stone. Uh, Hank's appeared in The Punisher 2004. Uh, he's appeared in The Patriot in 2000 and uh, appeared in uh, Cold Mountain 2003. So I thought, wow, that's uh, pretty cool. Uh, the homeless guy that we get introduced to. So I've done the characters in order to how you, the viewer, are then introduced to them throughout this movie. Because you're, you're introduced to different things. So you get the homeless guy next. And on his IMDb page, he's got it as just J. LaRose is his name. So there you go. Um, he has done episodes of the Mayans. And he also has appeared in Saw 3. Now, I'm a fan of the Mayans. I've been watching the show. I will say it now. It's way better than Sons of Anarchy. Uh, I don't care how angry this will make people. Mines is way more like into... I don't know. There's just something about it. It's just... I started watching the Mines. I really got into it. Like, I, I really like him. Uh, so, it's good. It's a good show. Uh, Officer Price uh, is next uh, with the appearance. And uh, I, I'm not shitting you with this name here. Matt Domant. Like it says it, <laughs> Matt Dorman. Like I see, every time I say it, I just think it's Team America. Uh, anyway, I'll quickly move on. Uh, so he's done a lot of appearances in the Burn Notice. Uh, that's where you'd know him from. He's done other TV shows, like the, just a couple of no-namers. But yeah, basically Burn Notice. But that, that cracked me up, that name. I couldn't believe it. Good on him. Uh, Mary Gold is the next person we meet. Now... It's interesting she's got a name Mary God because she does, never says it. Um, it's just, that's the name. Um, she is a uh, prostitute that's having a smoke at the front of the thing that um, that uh, Officer Lauren bumps into. In the midst of the conversation, uh, Mary God explains the night that um, this event went down uh, at the police station. And this is where she is the, um, 
I'm trying to find the right word without sounding dramatic. Um, she she's the info dump that is need like correctly placed. That there you go. At that time, like it is, and and with this info dump that she gives you, you the, then the movie goes off in this direction, and you kind of follow it and know what what's going on because before that, it's just this rando shit that's going on, uh, and um, you're kind of dishevelled with Officer Lauren as well, trying to work out what's what's going down, and um, she's had mysterious phone calls in between this time, the voice helped me, and 911's supposed to trace it, and that, that, you know, it's supposed to, the phone calls are supposed to go to the new to police department, and she keeps getting this one 911 call saying, help me, and she's gone back to the dispatchers, and they're saying it doesn't exist, like, you know, what are you talking about, um, and they play it off um, that way. So when Mary God does her whole info, you kind of get to know, okay, these are the payments. They've rocked up um, father, m wife, and daughter team, uh, part of some uh, cult that is worshipping a, um, a satanic entity that is not the devil. It's actually the guy who they believe is the true ruler of hell. Um, and um, John Payman is the main leader of this. So she starts to talk about how she was in the holding cell with them, like throughout the night, and they starts and they kept her up singing this song. When you hear this music, right, you'll, if any of, of I'm a fan of Far Cry, like I've played a lot of Far Cry, and so Far Cry, the um, Far Cry 5. Uh, you're with John Seed, you have to, and that's that family, that religious nut family that's taken over this part of the state in America, and, you, and you're in there, um, and you've got to fight your way out kind of thing. And they've got the music that they sing, and there's this, these, a few songs that the female characters sing in this music about, you know, John Seed and the Saviour and all this stuff. And it sounds eerily familiar to, to, to the, the music in here. So I was thinking, okay, one of them has riffed off the other one. Like, has got, you know, inspired and done their own version. But very close to each other. Um, and it's it's this lovely song about following the saviour and all that. It's about, you know, following this satanic guy kind of thing. And, um, well, not really satanic. It's not Satan. It's this other king of hell kind of thing. So, um... Anyway, she said they they kept her up all night with this singing, and then you know they they um, they do what they do at that point, which I won't reveal. Um, and uh, yeah, turns out that the the night this last shift is occurring is the one year anniversary of this event in this police station. So up until this point, um, it, it the, as it's revealed. Not really massive reveal, but um, that's why they're building a new police station because of this because of this reason. Um, so all the weird stuff that that Officer Lauren's getting now is because of this this event. Um, so and then we got Birdie who appears um, at the later part of the uh, like I said the later part of the movie. Um, she's a producer, um, but that's it. Uh, she's the, one of the followers of the payments um, and was supposed to be in the jail or was supposed to be in the prison when it went down the year before and it didn't. So she, she returns uh, and Officer Lauren is uh, has an engagement with her. Um, 
a bit of a tangle with her. So the demon um, apparitions that we're going to get through this movie that start uh, with John, Kitty, and Dorothy, and also a character that they called Bashed Face Betty. Now, Bash Face Betty initially starts off as a voice on the phone um, and um, is the one that's calling the, the department saying, help me, I'm trapped, or they're here, or they're coming, or they're killing everybody. And it's just, you know, throughout, you know, this, this movie's padded with all these phone calls and interactions between her and, and Officer Lauren. Um, so we've got John, John Payman, like I said, is uh, played by Joshua McHale, and he's from The Walking Dead. Um, uh, Kitty Payman is the, is the daughter, played by Sarah Sekulko. Uh, she's done a lot of straight-to-kind-of-DVD horror movies that you get, you know, in a bundle, you know, DVD bundle horror movie stuff, and, um, um, you know, yeah, straight-to-DVD kind of horror movies. Uh, Dorothy Payman uh, is the wife. Uh, she's uh, that's Catherine Kilger. Uh, she's done a lot of small roles in other independent films and in other independent horror movies, but hasn't done a bulk of stuff either. Um, and then yeah, and then we've got um, Lindsay. Sorry, so Bashface Betty is played by Lindsay Jetta, and she uh, has done a lot of producing and acting roles as well um, in a lot of other horror independent movies. So that's the kind of character gist. So how the how the movie plays out is is basically Officer Lauren gets to the precinct, and Officer Collins having an absolute shit fit in the corridor, and she kind of walks in on this, and then he cracks it at her for seeing him crack it. Uh, and wants to know how long he's been there for and it's kind of I had the feeling like later on in the movie when I rethought about the first scene I kind of thought is he flipping out like that he looked at her like are you an apparition as well like are you like real like turn like you know and so he was kind of freaking out so I don't know whether the tormenting had already started with him and then he got out of there like he basically you know um we've all been new to a job We've all had that weird kind of passive-aggressive co-worker that started off, you know, being a tough hard ass and hardly barely talking to you, but having to show you how the the workplace works and then gets friendlier as it goes on. It's it's weird, but initially is giving you the the daggers, uh, you know, or is not as talkative and not as friendly. So we've all been there anyway. He's doing one of these aggressive, um, aggressive uh, passive bloody handovers. Uh, and then uh, finally hands her the keys and off she goes. So all she needs to know is, is that she's there for the night, she doesn't move from the station, and the hazmat guys are coming between 10 and 4 a.m. or something, uh, and they're going to get rid of all the stuff in the in the, um, in the um, in the locker room. A lot of the stuff in that locker room, as you go on and you look back and you think about it, is actually items belonging to the payments in the... Um, in the thing so that you kind of go ah that well you know there's your spiritual kind of connection while they're still there because their stuff is still there so um the, that kind of makes sense a bit it's pretty obvious when you see it as the movie goes on you'll start seeing it more you'll you'll definitely put two and two together that this is kind of their stuff and you're like oh shit okay so uh she sits down and she starts to read a book merely starts nodding off i thought that was a bit odd uh, you know 
in the job that I do too, there's no way in the start of your shift you'd, you'd sit down if you start reading you'd not off like that. Um, but this is kind of where my theory comes in. And like I said, it's just my theory. It's it's not set in stone or anything. You can happily disagree with this. There's a, f a couple of nods to Nightmare on Elm Street. This is one, and the other one is actually a body that lifts off the ground while she's tripping. Like, it's one of the demon uh, apparitions, and it's the body of John Payman, and he's lying face down on the ground, and then he lifts up, like... Uh, the top part lifts up as if someone's carrying him from behind and his arms are swaying in front of him and he's literally lifted up in front of her uh, and then dangles, you know, in, in front of her and he's swaying his arms around like he's going to run after her. Um, this reminded me immediately of Nightmare on Elm Street with Nancy falling asleep in class and then seeing her friend dragged down the hallway. I think it's Tina uh, dragged down the hallway uh, in a body bag with her legs up and Freddy or Invisible Freddy's dragging her down the hallway and you see the blood trail follow along. That's what it reminded me of. And that was the definite nod to that, you know. Um, a big fan of uh, Nightmare on Elm Street. They're probably fans of Nightmare on Elm Street too. He said, oh, well, well, we'll do a bit of a homage, a bit of a nod to, to Nightmare on Elm Street. So that's kind of what I thought. So when she nodded off with this book and she woke up and the book banged on the ground and woke her up, that's I kind of felt this was the Nightmare on Elm Street moment where she'd actually gone from reality into the dream state. And this is why we get um, in, uh, all the weedy stuff started to happen immediately. Like, as soon as that book dropped and she woke up, she got the creepy phone call saying, you know, I need help, come and help me, blah, blah, blah. And so that's, that's um, what I was thinking had occurred there um, because you get the phone call you get that and then she's eating her lunch she's pulling her hair out of her mouth like it just immediately starts from that and then um, once she um, has that she has another spooky phone call then she goes and checks the doors and stuff like that and comes back in and there's a homeless guy standing there so you don't know initially when I saw that I was like oh shit who's this guy Cause, uh, and so did she, like, she pulls a gun out, like, she's ready to go, like, you know, here's this guy, like, why is he here? Um, she tells him to leave, and eventually, like, he just pisses all over the floor, like the exorcist. <laughs> it's just wheeze everywhere. Uh, and then he has a bit of a yell, like, yells at her, and so she kicks him out, and, um, and so while she's cleaning the wee that he's just left there for her, uh, putting the weighted bucket, she's walking around and she sees clothes and boots that uh, that are there. And I thought, oh, shit. So she grabs the boots and she walks outside and leaves them out on the step and, and kind of for the homeless guy to take because she knows she didn't have any shoes. So this is kind of a clever writing because you build that kind of um, rapport with Officer Lauren. Like, she, you can tell that that she does care about the community still. She's still a cop. She's still, like, you know, even though the whole situation scared the shit out of her, like, she's still, you know, um, uh, thinks about other people and that kind of stuff, and, and that's that's kind of good. And it's deliberately done, so you do feel invested in her, that you'd like her, and you feel tortured with her while these, you know, taunting is going on. Um, and so when we see him again... Uh, he's wearing the boots, you know, so it's it's like he's seen and he puts his boots on and, and, and that. So, um, like I said, this movie kind of jumps with a lot of the phone calls in between. So she does, like, walks around the, the police station. She'll hear a bang and a crash somewhere. She'll go and check it out. And this is the excuse to 
for us, the viewer, to go and check out more of this uh, abandoned police station. And there's there's one scene where she walks into the toilets, and I was like, right, this is definitely an abandoned police station because it is fucking grotville. Like if if you've got if like trigger warning, if you have seriously have got a soft stomach and can't handle stuff being sprayed on walls and stuff that belong inside of a body, uh, yeah, don't don't check this scene out. It is brutal. Uh, and I thought, well, and I, at that point, I was thought, okay, they couldn't clean this up, so they had to add it to the film and just make it look like some kind of spooky room. And then leave because another way they could have done is that she walked back in the toilet was spotless. You know, you don't know whether it was a play on her head or not, but I think just basically it was just that bad they couldn't clean it before production, and I had to leave it like that and then just chuck it in the movie. Because when as soon as you leave that room, you go into the cop gym at the back, and you can fucking eat off that gym equipment like it is spotless. Like the mirror is spotless, the floor. The workbenches, spotless. Like, and I was like, wow. So anyway, in this moment, this is another kind of little info dump you get between, you know her dad is a cop um, and was a cop. And so she's walking around and she walks to this locker and it's got a key in it. It's got the number of the dad. So, you know, it's dad's locker. And, and she's looking in there and just happens to see tucked in the back is this little triangle. Pulls out the photo of her and her dad when she was little. And he's dressed up as the police officer, you know, so that's... So we get to learn her pet name is Cuddlebug. And uh, so this is kind of probably used against her the whole entire time. So it shows... It's another hint later on when she starts to get more tormented that this building is almost alive because of this, like, it's watching her finding things and then goes, oh, Cuddlebug. It's like it, like, then knows what to manipulate and what to uh, attract itself to. So it's rather sinister and malice in the tormenting that way. And it starts to uh, show itself at the end when, you know, voices start to say cuddlebug. Like, only her would know that. Um, and so it just shows you how far-reaching this tormenting can go. Um, and so once she's done that, another altercation with the, with the homeless guy, because she hears another bang, she goes out, and she sees the uh, filing cabinet smashed up against the back door of the... Uh, sorry, no. She she then... This is when we meet um, uh, Mary, Mary Gold at that point. And you find out what happened in the place. And then that's it. And then he... And then uh, then she leaves. And then uh, it's... It's um, the, the back door... Uh, is wide open and then she walks around to see like you know what the hell who got in that kind of thing and while walking around discovers the homeless guy again so there's an altercation he's freaking out um, and I think he's freaking out because he's getting tormented too and thinks that Officer Lauren is a demon apparition like kind of thing and so he's kind of like attacking her thinking shit is this like one of the demons because as you go on, you start to realise, hang on, everyone that interacts with her violently is freaking out because they're seeing something uh, as well. So this building's turning on everyone. Um, and so, uh, yeah, he gets locked up. Immediately he gets locked up, he starts absolutely shitting biscuits and freaking out because he's in the same holding cell as as the 
as the three uh, all the haunting stuff seems to happen in there as well. It's happening all over the place, but it happens in there too. And he's no different. Like he's he's haunted just the same. And so he's freaking out. And um, at this time we get another we she meets up with Officer Price. And and Officer Price, it's kind of the downtime of the film. You're thinking, oh yeah, there's another cop. And it, initially something happens with chairs and she, she and we get another info dump and we see uh via the surveillance cameras john payman talking like in a police interview we get uh dorothy and kitty payman talking as in a police interview and the, all these chairs start rolling around the room so there's a pretty decent kind of haunting thing going on and then a bit of a nod to uh poltergeist as well involving these chairs and then she leaves and then at this point we see officer price outside and we're thinking oh yeah it's it's either another ghost or it's uh, it's a um, it's something else going on here. But he's outside, so okay. So they, she lets him in, and uh, so she thinks, oh yeah, this is the guy from down the street that's been kind of you know the the rookies are they're just busting my ass because I'm a rookie, I'm a new guy, blah blah blah. So she kind of gives him a bit of verbal stick for a while and then starts easing off him a bit when she um, when he tells her that she. That he worked with her dad, um, you know, and um, does the kind of stuff, and and then he leaves. So once this is this is when you introduce a pretty decent jump scare that you, and it's not a jump scare where you're going like you know, and you jump, you know, your popcorn goes flying everywhere. It's not that kind of jump scare. It's it's a really clever like oh fuck like moment and uh and that's it it's just is easily done and it, it just happens and then moves on as fast as it attends and it, that's why i was like fuck this movie's so good because you, you just the music was right everything it was just perfect you didn't see it coming and uh and that's that so and then we get the uh, once that goes uh she then comes uh more face to face uh with um with John Payment starts to really well literally show his face with the fucking pentagram and he's screaming and he's got the sharp teeth and he's jumping out at her like because a lot of the, the, the lot about this movie is is timing, lighting and the music. Like and, and it's not that creepy typical music and then it's just it scares the shit out of you. Like it's just, you know, normal build up music, that kind of stuff and then, you know, it's it's just done so well. And, um, yeah, so this is where the movie ramps, like, it, it really ramps at, at this point where, um, it's just, you know, everyone's jumping out at her, like, all the horror ghosts, are, you know, all the demons are jumping at her, like, um, showing her one scene and showing another scene, and then, you know, uh, the, the homeless guy gets attacked, and, it, like, it's just full on from this point, you're like, whoa, 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 the whole time, so it's, it's, it's really, really good. And then you get to the, um, you, you kind of get to the info, you, you know, the uh, the kind of the, the end of the film where the plot reveal and the twist occurs. So this is where I kind of have to stop the review for The Last Shift because I'll end up spoiling the the uh, the film and the ending. It's just too good. Like, you, you don't want to spoil it. Like, so I've, I'm going to leave that open there and for you to check it out. Um, or if you have checked it out, you know what I'm talking about, like with the ending anyway. 
the thing I really like too when it starts to really ramp is when they when the the demon uh, the demon apparition uh, starts to fuck with photos from the crime scenes like and it, and it like one minute there's just a photo sitting there and it, it's like breadcrumbs it just leads her down the corridor and then she blinks and suddenly the whole corridor is just lined up with these perfectly placed a4 photos crime scene photos just all in three rows just perfectly all the way down and it's just blink it's a corridor empty blink and there's photos all over the floor like you know and it, it's just so well shot it's just incredible it's just so well good so yeah great amazing stuff so um yeah that's like i said that's pretty much where i've got to stop it because then the the rest of the film um the twist and the plots all start getting revealed at this point and i'll end up wrecking it but it's the suspense wise it's so good heavily recommended um yeah i've got this um i'll talk about it on the podcast as well uh episode uh two so definitely recommend for me and uh yeah so definitely go check it out um it's i think look it's straight it's on uh shutter at the moment i don't i haven't checked to see if you can like watch it on youtube uh, if you can access it there at one stage i believe it was on netflix but i, I think it's off now so if you try like the other streaming services you'll find that they could be on there uh if not uh and you want to take the plunge uh look buy it on dvd go online and buy it on dvd you won't be disappointed it's not like a 30 20 film like it's it'd be pretty cheap check it out and you'll be you'll be impressed with it um if you like your demon tormenting movies uh this is this was a good one uh to definitely check out so i'm gonna move on to the to, to the two horrible mentions now um and 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 do a bit of spiel about these now the interesting thing about this one and i've got it um here i've got it in my notes uh, and these are the podcast episodes if you want to go out and listen to the real life Ralph Saatchi because this is who Ralph Saatchi is about this movie is based on him uh, and that movie is Deliver Us From Evil from 2014 directed by Scott uh, Derrickson now he did Doctor Strange and the Exorcism of Emily Rose so this isn't the first time that he's done a possession movie and you, and you can tell He's kind of done a really good job on this one too. Like he's he's done a it's, it's a really good possession movie. I've seen Emily Rose. Uh, I've seen this. Uh, I've seen other countless uh, horror movies where it's uh, in, involving possession. The only one that I haven't seen is the current one that's about to come out by Chris Sun, The Possessed, uh, starring John Jarrett, and a pretty kick-ass Australian cast too. So um, Chris Sun did. Boar. He also did uh, Charlie's Farm. Uh, definitely uh, check those ones out. Um, so yeah, yeah, looking forward to that one. So I haven't seen that possession movie yet, but uh, yeah. So uh, that's that's the two movies he's done. He's joined forces with uh, Paul Harris. Um, excuse me, I've written it a bit too short there. But do board. Broadman, 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 uh, and he was the writer on Exorcism of Emily Rose. So he's basically joined forces with the same writer. Uh, they got together and made up uh, Deliver Us from Evil. 
Um, Ralph Sarchi pretty much says, deliver us from evil. Took a, not in a disrespective way, but took a, a massive kind of artistic expression, like liberties in making this movie. So it's not exactly what happened to Ralph Sarchi while he was a cop. Um, multiple different cases and things are mixed together and that's where he kind of came up with Deliver Us From Evil as to be made as a movie but he's, he's written it, it's from his book um, as well and he's got a book out, I'm not sure of the title but um, he goes into talking about the cases that he looked at as a, as a cop <clears throat> so that's basically the premise of Deliver Us From Evil, it's a cop, New York cop investigating these these crime these crimes and these crimes end up linking together because of one individual um that is uh possessed so the episodes of the podcast you want to get into and check out would be uh murder behind the movie uh, deliver us from evil that goes for a couple of hours that episode so that's a pretty good one uh where the scary things are check that out also titled deliver us from evil about ralph Sauchi. Uh, and then you've got Brainwaves, Episode 9, uh, Ralph Sarchi, and that goes for about two hours, and it, it just talks about like all the different cases and things like that. So if you really want to get to know the real guy behind the behind the movie, and I'm also going to chuck up um, you know pictures and stuff about him as I talk, um, yeah, definitely check it out. It's pretty interesting. He's had a couple of TV shows. There's one that only went for two episodes, so I, I don't know what kind of happened there, but, um, yeah, he's now a demonologist, retired from the NYPD, um, so, yeah, the release date for Deliver Us From Evil, uh, was, uh, was the 24th of June 2014, and we got a, on the 24th of July 2014, which is my birthday, so there you go, it landed on my birthday, um, I can't remember when I went to go and see that afterwards, but I know it was on DVD, I didn't see it at the cinema, uh, the runtime is uh, an hour and 58 minutes. It's close to two hours. It goes for a while, and it's and credits included. But uh, you're pretty in, you're pretty much following what's going on with the story plot, so you're interested the whole entire time. It's not like you're looking at your clock going, when the when the fuck is this going to finish? Like you're not bored. Like to this thing, this has got your attention the whole entire time. So uh, you'll like it. Uh, first time horror film. Yeah, I can. This won't burst the bubble of somebody if they haven't seen a horror film before like however there's two scenes in this that i've got to give a trigger warning to and both are relating to deaths of an infant and a toddler so i would give you that trigger warning so that alone then you can be the judge whether you want to make this your first time horror film as well not for a not for a young teen or anything like that that wants to check a horror movie I'm talking about your boyfriend or your girlfriend. You know, you want to start showing them horror movies, and you—they're old. You know, they're old enough. You know, you know, not like oh, you're 15 now, son. Let's chuck a fucking horror movie on. This isn't the one that that you do. Uh, so yeah, that's that's kind of what what I'm talking about. Um, in in the scene with Eric Banner to start, the the infant had already died and is wrapped in a blanket, but you only you see their hand, and that's that's kind of disturbing enough so uh i would uh that's one trigger for that so you know the scene's coming because he enters an alleyway there's cop cars and lights everywhere and he's walking towards and it's it's raining and it's one of the first introductions to eric banner that we see in the movie it's the first one so um 
you can skip it a couple of 10 seconds or so, five seconds, you'll, you'll miss it, you won't see the scene. The second one that's the trigger warning is the death of the toddler um, at the hands of his mum, and that is really confronting. So, um, like I said in other episodes, I cannot do kids getting hurt or killed, and I can't do animals, like especially horses or or dogs or anything like that. I can't do it. Like it's it just makes me super squeamish, and I get triggered myself. So I, I don't do it. That's why I have this trigger warning part, and I just kind of go nah. Uh, so skip it. Uh, I skipped it. I knew it was going to fucking happen before it happened. Like it. You kind of you know about the crime before you see it because Ralph Sachi when he's into he's got to do the the video uh, review in the zoo he has to go through the surveillance camera so you're watching the whole incident again so you know it's going to kick off so you flick it you know you do your fast forward ten second flick on your on your phone or on your DVD player, you can skip it, you won't see it, but yeah, it's it's the fuck, yeah, it's pretty bad. Um, so yeah, it's yeah, um, that's the only two trigger warnings for this. So, like I said, yeah, first time horror film, but for older audiences, uh, for sure. Um, so yeah, the cast for this uh, is uh, Officer Ralph Sarchi. Now, this is played by Eric Banner, which is an interesting cast choice uh, for this uh, Eric Banner, he's done drama and action stuff before so we know him from, well the Australian audiences know him from Chopper um, We internationally he's known for the Hulk and in Troy as well um, we know the Australians would know him for his earlier work as Poiter <laughs> from Full Frontal which was a comedy sketch show in Australia in I think the late 90s so yeah, it was it was shwoy. like uh, so yeah, he's uh, it's a great character actually. It was really funny. So we, he's he's pretty good with uh, with his character acting, and and in this in this uh, movie here, I didn't mind his New York accent. Like he he did a pretty good job. Well, I thought he did a good job. Um, I don't know if linguistics will agree with me there, but yeah, I thought he did pretty good. So he's the kind of hardened sergeant. Of the of the thing, he's got a d d domestic. He kind of attends to domestic violence, but he does a lot of other cases depending on what lands on his desk with him and his partner. His partner is Officer Butler, played by Joel McHale. We know him from Community, and I've got to say, this is probably the only bad casting choice in this movie. He fucking irritates me. I I I. It's my problem. Like, but he just, he gives me the shits. And I, I don't know if it's because of community uh, and I'm just seeing him as the fuckhead from community, but I just, I yeah, I don't know. Like, it's, there's a few things that I think are weird for him as a as an officer in this movie, right? So one is got, you know, I go for the Boston Red Sox. This movie's set in New York. I'm like, this guy's going to get fucking flat-out murdered. Like, like, if he's wearing this stuff. So he's wearing the baseball cap backwards just to piss people off. So he's got that, you know, that shit-stirring quality that you don't need to have as a cop in, in in the first place. Two, he's got these, like, these mini fucking knives. And, like, and there's a scene where there's an altercation with, with a... With a, a you know, someone in the domestic violence thing. And this fucking 
Officer Butler, he pulls knives out. I'm like, the fuck are you doing? Like, and it's and like this guy was like ready. To, he had the knives. Yeah, okay. This guy had a knife as well, right? But as a cop, like other cops aren't going to walk around with these mini fucking knives in their in their in their pockets. They're not going to pull this shit out. They, they've got a taser. They've got pepper spray. They've been trained to deal with something like this. They're not going to go toe-to-toe with the knife. He pulls the knives out. The guy kind of freaks out and he leaves. But I don't know if it's a, it's a, if it's a, a tough guy uh, kind of uh, psych out that he does. like Because he psychs one guy out and then he does it again and then he does it the third time. And he does it a couple of times in this movie. And I'm thinking, no, nah, that's, that's not how a cop would act. But like I said, a lot of artistic... Like liberties were taken in this movie, so I think maybe that's what it was. Um, and yeah, so that's how that played out. With um, with this uh, and another one where so that's his character anyway. Then you got Father Mendoza, so he's played by Edgar Ramirez. Now he's a Venezuelan actor. So up until 2017, he was pretty much in Venezuela doing movies there so he's he's well known in Venezuela uh, for his acting and then he came across the pond into the the US and joined into the Hollywood market kind of like Eric Banner did and um, you'd know him from the remake of Point Break but he's done um, other stuff too in between you know action movies and stuff like that but yeah he was one of the main characters in Point Break um, so the explanation that I did with the research for this this role of his, anyway, is that um, Father Mendoza is a combination of two real-life mentors for Ralph Sarchi. Now, Ralph Sarchi is Roman Catholic, so his two mentors were Bishop Robert McKenna and Father... I'm going to spell it M-A-L-A-C-H-I, Martin. I'm spelling that as Malaki. I can't fucking stop saying malarkey. Lucky I didn't meet this guy in church because he would have fucking cracked me. Like, and I would have had to bloody, you know, do like hundreds of fucking rosaries. Like, because I called him Father Malarkey. Uh, I, I can't, I don't know, Mel- Malachi? Anyway, I'm going to stop there and move the fuck right on right now. Uh, so anyway, Father Martin. <laughs> so Father Martin, uh, and Bishop Robert McKenna uh, that was uh, the real-life uh, inspirations for uh, Ralph Sarchi, which is quite funny because when you look at these two guys in real life and then you look at, you know, fucking Father Mendoza, you're just like, what is going on? Like, they've just gone the, the sex appeal uh, angle on this one, which I thought was humorous. Like, anyway, and uh, so... Yeah, I don't think, you know, if either Bishop uh, McKenna or Father Martin ran into a bar or sweaty, I don't think the hot chick at the bar will be like, hey, what are you doing tonight? I don't think that the fuck of that will be going on uh, once you have a look at the, how they look. So then you've got um, John, uh, Jen Saatchi and Christina Saatchi. So Jen Saatchi is Olivia, played by Olivia Munn. Uh, you know her from uh, X-Men Apocalypse. And Christina Saatchi is played by Lulu Wilson. Now, I didn't twig until I did a bit of research on this. And I went, holy fuck, that's that's Becky. Like, uh, when I just all grown up. Like, uh, so this is one of her younger roles that she played in this movie. 
short dark hair in this one. Um, and, uh, yeah, she starts to, to, um, a little bit of some conjuring shit going on in her bedroom when, uh, uh, dad starts to investigate this demology stuff a bit too much, uh, involving a, uh, stuffed owl that looked similar to what my daughter has in her bedroom, but it's not the same, but I still was quietly freaked out by it. So it disappeared. <laughs> it's just, uh, yeah, I, it, I swapped it for another toy. So, uh, it's good that she didn't notice. Um, so yeah, good acting by her anyway. Um, so, and then we I'll move on to the actual possessed characters in this movie and why, Eric Banner, the um, Officer Sachi are following these guys. So you've got Santino, who's the leader of a platoon, uh, played by Sheen Harris. You know him from both Mission Impossible movies, Rogue Nation and Fallout. Um, Jimmy uh, is the other character from the platoon. Uh, his name is Chris Coy. He's in a couple of episodes of Lucifer and Station 19. And uh, Jane, who is the mum that kills her toddler and is possessed, is uh, played by Olivia Thornton. Uh, and she's done a TV appearances in Bull, Law and Order SVU, Rosalie and Rose, and Chicago Fire. So she's done a couple of TV show appearances there as well. So basically the premise of Deliver Us From Evil, which the title is from the... Um, one of the sentences in the Lord's Prayer, one of the big kahuna prayers that you say. Um, and it follows, it starts off in the with this platoon in the Middle East in this rolling gunfight. So what I mean is like they're moving locations. They're advancing on these, on these, uh, you know, insurgent enemy slash whatever you want to call them. Uh, and they're firing on them, and they're, but they're moving towards them, and this firefight is moving across different fields and eventually leads them to a cave once they've killed everyone and they go into the cave and there's uh, a Latin um, in, engraving on the wall. There's a big kind of channel thing on the floor filled with human skulls and a stone-carved altar. Uh, and so you kind of know, you know, some uh, some freaky stuff has gone down in here. It's probably suggesting, because it's the Middle East and you look at something Latin like that, you go, okay, this is when the Romans were here. Kind of this is how it's dated that room. Um, and then something kicks off. There's bats everywhere. All this thing, every, all the soldiers' cams flicker on and off. There's a lot of screaming and that's basically it. So that's all we get. Um, and then after that, the next scene we have is the introduction of Ralph Sarchi and he's going into that early way to see the, the, the deceased baby. So that's your trigger warning there on that one. And then after that, um, he uh, gets into the car. We get introduced to Officer Butler that way and they get, um, you know, they start going to different, um, you know, crimes and stuff. And they hear on the radio, there's this domestic and he says, oh, the radar. So this is where we learn the term with the ping-pong dialogue between the characters that this is Rob's, uh, Ralph Sarchi's term that he uses. And he says, the radar. You know, like something something weirds about this case. It doesn't add up. So he goes, they go there. They take it off another patrol. They didn't really want to do it. So they snatch the case. They go there. This is where we get introduced to Jimmy. He was the guy in the cave. Um, we see his cam flickering on and off and the screaming, and that's when the scene cuts. It's him. They go in there. He's he's done some a pretty full-on domestic violence scene. Another trigger warning. Um, 
with that. Uh, it's it's pretty graphic. Uh, the the wife has copped quite a quite a beating. Uh, there's a lot of you know broken stuff around the house and stuff like that. So um, yeah, if you if you're pretty confronted with things like that, I'd skip the scene. Um, but yeah, just to give you a heads up on that one. So basically, the, the the two officers are there talking to her about what's going on. Jimmy comes out. There's an altercation again. Officer Butler pulls out his fucking knives, which I, just, I at that point I was like, oh, this guy's a fucking idiot. <laughs> I, was, I was just not a fan at this point. Uh, that's what did it for me uh, with this guy. Uh, and uh, so he runs off, but they're seeing claw marks everywhere. Uh, he's, you know, done some investigating around the house kind of thing. Um, and, uh, yeah, the, the movie kind of moves on. Uh, him trying to... F While they're back at the station, there's this couple that keep ringing to say that there's weird noises and shit's going on in their house. Again, the radar reference is used, and uh, uh, Officer Sachi says, we'll take it, and they go, and it's an Italian couple. Uh, it's quite funny what she was saying in, in Italian and in, in, in the English subtitles underneath. But they were saying, basically, there's something in the house, like, you know, uh, it's creeping us out. Um, they go downstairs initially, um, and uh, they're kind of looking around, and they're like, you know, what's going on kind of thing. While they're poking around, uh, a body falls out of the wall. Uh, so they're just like, uh, yeah, okay. <laughs> That's probably why your house is fucking up the wazoo. Uh, haunted up the wazoo kind of thing. And they, they work it out. And this guy's drunk all the solvents in there. Turns out that this guy uh, is a part of the platoon as well like but he died and they got the paint card so then the paint card leads to santino and this is how um eric banner works out that these guys are all connected he sees a photo uh, and uh, these guys are all connected so then he's after santino at this point and then we get the scene at the zoo where he's um he gets called out to this woman has uh you know killed her kid um has thrown her kid into the lion's den is what what they said um so again he gets the radar thing they go and check this thing out a power failure like the the zoo's pitch black there's no lights they can't see anything so they have to use torches you know this kind of stuff so it adds to that eerie atmosphere uh, and this is where uh, eric banner first comes face to face with santino uh, just happens to catch him and then goes in after him uh, and uh, there's a whole pretty intense scene involving that so yeah there's kind of latin stuff written on the wall and uh, that's where we kind of made the connection to the temple part in the house and the and the um <clears throat> and what's going on with everything so um then they go back they look at the footage they see that uh you know, Santino's just walking around this lion cage willy-nilly with lions in it, like, and, and just, it's not affecting him, like, uh, he's almost overpowering them with some kind of malevolent force thing. Uh, he stands outside, the girl, uh, Jane's looking at him, they converse, and then, again, trigger warning asserted here is when the, the child gets thrown uh, into the... Um, into the scene so again trigger warning don't want to see it skip it you can see it being skipped then there's a pretty decent jump scare that jumps out at him at that point uh, uh by the camera and 
Butler says that he didn't see it. He hasn't. He's not hearing anything. But Ralph is picking up on all this, um, and so anyway, they're back at the station. And um, while they're there, he meets Father Mendoza. This is the first introduction, uh, and Mendoza is basically saying, "No, we've taken her to a psych unit because, but we think that it's not mental; it's spiritual um, issues that she's got." And so. Immediately, Father, you know, Officer Sachi's kind of going like, you know, fuck off. You're saying she's possessed. Like, you know, immediately dismissing it. Which I thought was weird because this is a guy that's running around taking cases because he's got the fucking radar going. Like, and I'm like, if you, if, you know, that didn't make sense. That's just me. That, you know, that's all I'm saying. That's, that's just my problem that I didn't get that bit, but I just thought that was really odd that this, that he's suddenly got an issue with the spirituality thing being chucked around at that point um, while he's quite happy to say it's the radar, it's the fucking radar. Um, so, yeah, I thought that was a bit odd. So, eventually, begrudgingly joins forces with um, Father Mendoza because while he's investing in and investigating Centino, some weird and wonderful dynamic shit starts happening in his house uh, involving his wife and kid uh, that's a bit too it's basically you know uh, the demon saying back the fuck off like you know um, you're getting too close um, and intimidating that way spiritually so he meets up with Mendoza and that's when they start to inform the investigations and they start tracking down uh, Centino and they start tracking down Jane Jane manages to get out of her uh, surroundings uh, and um, they confront Santino. So this is pretty much the movie wrapped up uh, without, there's a lot still to go on um, and this is where I'm kind of stopping it. I'm not going to go any further for any plot, more plot reveals or anything like that or spoilers or anything like that. I'm going to leave it here. So uh, that's kind of that where the where it's the cop again versus kind of a demon entity um, in this. So definitely check it out. Definitely check out the podcasts. Like I, the the reason why I came across Ralph Sarchi, what it came across was um, back in the day, Triple J had Father Bob and John Safran show, uh, and Father Bob and John Safran interviewed different um, you know people, um, and he interviewed Ralph Sarchi, and he talked about you know the movie and how you know spiritually what he does and is a demonologist and all that kind of stuff so that's where i got my interest in him from that and then listen to some of his podcasts from there so definitely if anything if you're not really keen on the movie you would definitely be keen on listening to ralph sarchi talk about his demonology stuff because it's very very interesting so there there you go so definite uh, check out on those uh, podcast and I'll leave that up in the show notes uh, on the YouTube um, notes there and also on the Instagram uh, and Facebook uh, announcements I'll leave the, the things to follow there so that's uh, Deliver Us From Evil so yeah there you go 8 out of 10 thought it was good definitely check that out it's pretty good uh, comes the final one now body cam uh, I really kicked myself because I stupidly believed and listened to uh, some other, you know, uh, people's opinions and thoughts. And and there's a there's a couple of horror movie podcasts that I watch, um, and they um, really bagged the shit out of this. 
Uh, and I, I just thought, oh, it must be bad then, because if, if they're really, like, if more than one uh, podcast is, is really laying the boots in on this film, it can't be that great. I might wait to DVD or whatever. So I did, and because of the show, I thought, I'll check this movie out and see how it is. If not, I was just going to do Deliverance from Evil and uh, The Last Shift as the movie, and that's it. So I thought, I'll give Body Cam a crack, no harm, no foul, kind of thing. Um, anyway, really impressed. And I thought, for fuck's sake. So, lesson learned. You know, don't just go on the premise of a negative, like... This is why negative reviews can really fuck something up. Even if you hate something, someone else might like it. That's why I said, it's just my dumbass opinion. Make your own opinion. You know, like, you can disagree with what I feel or whatever. You know, it's cool. So, yeah, don't... Don't ever kind of fall into this trap of, like... And that's why I don't do negative reviews for movies. Like, I uh, just stick with the stuff that I like and, and keep it like that. Um, so, yeah, it's it's an interesting one, this one. This isn't a demon uh, apparition haunting a police officer. This is just basically a revengeful ghost story. Like, that, that's how I can describe it. Um, yeah, and they just happened to use the modern technology of the body cam in order to tell this, which was a very good way of doing it. Uh, and the other thing that I found really interesting about this movie too was the timing that this thing was released. Um, and so I'll, I'll get into that. So let's get into the kind of the nuts and bolts of this. Um, so it was directed by Milek Vital. Uh, he did Imperial Dreams and that stars John Boyega, the guy from uh, Star Wars. <clears throat> he wrote this um, with uh, Nicholas McCarthy. Um, and Nicholas McCarthy is one of the writers for Are You Afraid of the Dark? Uh, he was also co-written with Richmond... Um, yeah, Richmond Riddell is his name. And he was the editor for Deep Impact and also the sound production for Dick Tracy, which I thought was pretty cool to, to learn. So these two guys write the premise of the story, which I thought was really, really good. The For me, it reminded me of a cop version of Dark Water from Japan. Um, and it was like, you know, the vengeful ghost haunting someone, even though it's scaring the shit out of them. They're, they're trying to say, this is what happened to me, like kind of thing. And that's pretty, pretty much what what's going on, on here. And the ghost is just basically knocking cops off. Um, and and this other office is kind of left to investigate. So um, it, the cast for this is Officer Smith and is played by Mary Jane Blige. Uh, she's a singer and an actor. So she sung songs that appeared on the movie Precious. And she was an actor in Mudbound as well. Officer Hol Holridge is played by Nat Wolf. Now I've got to put my hand up. I'm today old when I realised that Nat Wolf and his brother, <laughs> Alex Wolf, are two different people. I actually said that Nat Wolf started Hereditary and he's the guy from Hereditary. But then as I was scrolling through his thing, nothing was coming up for Hereditary. And I'm like, why is he not mentioned in Hereditary? Then I thought, hang on a minute, let me look up Hereditary. So I looked up Hereditary and it was Alex Wolf. I'm like, no shit. Like, I was like, oh my God. These two looked so similar, so familiar, similar. It's insane. I thought, are these guys twins? And then I realised the age bracket as well. I was like, shit. So 
that's uh, really impressive. So there you go. This is the cool stuff you learn as you when you research. So anyway, well, it's not that exciting, but yeah. Um, so Nat Wolf, uh, he appeared in the Stand and in the Death Note live action US remake of it. Uh, and his brother is is Alex Wolf, who started Hereditary. So there you go. It's, it's great that I solved that Scooby mystery. Uh, squad, the squad sergeant in this play is David Zayas. I still can't fucking say it. Uh, and, but we know him from Dexter. He's the same guy, just minus the fedora and the Hawaiian t-shirt. Like <laughs> it is the same goatee, the same glasses. The same way he talks, the mannerisms, it's identical. Like, it's like he got, you know, transferred from Florida to this place here. Like, and he's made it as a staff sergeant. Uh, and so, yeah, so the basic premise of this thing. The film, uh, before I get into that, the thing that impressed me about this movie, uh, another great African-American uh, director following along the lines of Jordan Peele, has managed to come up with a really great horror movie um, who that is a talking about what's going on in society at the time. So 2020, this as we know, think of it, Black Lives Matter, um, you know, Trump still in, as the president, um, fucking turmoil, like pretty much, uh, you know, the Australia, other people around the world uh, are watching America on the news uh, every night following this this stuff. Now, this movie is about the um, population's distrust towards the cops and how the cops are dealing with the population uh, that are that are feeling this distrust. When you look a bit deeper than that, this movie then looks at cop shooting brutality on african-american populations like on the community so then the african-american communities then response to police shootings in that when you look a bit further than that you go into deeper where it's a african-american police officer who then is dealing with the african-american community that are looking at her as to say well you know you're one of us, but you're you're a cop, you know, and that kind of strain, that social strain, and and that um, that that trust is broken uh, between all. They're seeing her essentially as a turncoat, kind of thing, or you know, um, following up the white man's law, which is pretty much how indigenous some indigenous people feel about indigenous cops. You know, you know, you're just you're there uh, upholding the white man's law. You know, that's how they see it here. So um, the, the premise is still the same. So I thought that was interesting as well. So that's I kind of looked a bit deeper into this movie and I liked it as well. It's a great scare movie, but it's a great social kind of narration as well of what was going on at the time. And it was really told really well uh, and shown well in some scenes. So um, so what I mean is we, we the start of the movie, we get Officer Smith who is in a counselling session because he has to get, she has to get reinstated to go back onto duty again. So we learn that she's lost her son in a drowning accident and because of this PTSD that she's got from that, it's now kicked off um, her... Um, uh, she can't control her emotions properly uh, or too well and she had a snap and, and ended up cracking a civilian during an altercation 
that she was attending to. So that didn't exactly look great uh, with um, the populace, with this this police, even though she was African-American, it didn't matter. Like, it was just a cop hitting a civilian at this point. Um, and so the guy's explaining there's already high tension enough of disease because, you know, you've got these, these uh, you know, cops have shot uh, another another bystander who happened to be a kid and happened to be African-American and it just made it worse, you know. Um, so that's kind of... So this counsellor was saying, I need to know that you're kind of, you're in the right headspace kind of thing. So this is a movie where the other level to this is the introduction to PTSD. Now, Deliver Us From Evil, you have Eric Banner in the beginnings of PTSD, right? Um, he, you're starting to see he's snapping at his wife. He's like, because there's a bit where she's going, oh, tell me what you're seeing. Talk about your job. And he goes, I can't. And she goes, no, no, you can always tell me. So in, in that moment, it's him snapping. And he just basically goes, right, I pulled a fucking baby out of a bin. I fucking did this. I did this. And just told her every single horrible thing that he had seen all week. And you can just see her face just dropping, going, what the fuck? Like, and he goes, this is why I don't bring it home. Like, you know, and he's, and he's having a drink and... You can tell that's the other small kind of um, window where we see as as a as a, an audience member what it's actually like to have PTSD and be a cop. My father personally was an ex-policeman. He has PTSD. He suffers a lot from it, and he's seen a lot of horrible shit that that has haunted him even to this day. Uh, and he reacts the same way. So when I was seeing these different horror films with these different police officers reacting to this PTSD, I could see uh, that was my dad reacting to these things. So I, there was that kind of that, um, it was portrayed well, anyway, um, from that experience. So, um, yeah, it was, uh, yeah, kind of seeing Eric Banner's character in that moment, I had a flashback to my dad. Uh, like cracking it at my mum or you're cracking it at me kind of thing uh, and that and I saw that and I was just like yeah fucking that's well researched because that's pretty spot on uh, actually so um, I was like yeah that's that's pretty realistic so on the PTSD thing the other interesting thing that I, I realised that Officer Lauren in the last shift she comes on she's got no PTSD whatsoever and fucking leaves like you know the the end of the film having full blown PTSD uh, so you can it's a movie where she hasn't got it she gets it you see her going through it dirt uh, deliver us from evil you get the beginnings of what it looks like when you're starting to get it and then in body cam. We now get uh, uh, Officer Smith, who now has it, like, uh, and how she then has to uh, descale herself when she's on the job. Eventually, start of the movie, like I said, we wouldn't have a movie if she didn't get approved. She gets approved for her duty. She goes back on, and but she's partnered with a uh, another officer who's been sent from another precinct, and this is uh, Officer Hollidge. Um, and uh, Holdridge, I think you pronounce it, and that's the beginning of that. She's not great on the idea, but like all start of every cop film, I don't need a new partner. Like, would you, you know, <laughs> it's like every cop movie is like, 
Cop Movie 101 checklist. Grumpy dude. Da da da. I don't need no fucking partner. Check. Like, you know, it's like <laughs> that kind of stuff. So. So anyway, um, yeah, so that, that, that occurs. And uh, yeah, so it's uh, she partners up with him. They get to a few call-outs. These call-outs are interesting because there's one pit where they're patrolling. They're trying to talk. She's not really interested in talking to this guy, you know, like every horror and every cop movie. Like, check. Like, I don't know. The, the awkward first uh, car ride together. Uh, and uh, yeah, so anyway, they get to this one thing. And it's a toddler in the street. Like and I'm like fucking hell. Like, so they 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 get out of the car, they walk over. Hey, sweetheart, how are you doing? Nothing aggressive. Hey, buddy. Like the really, really, the approach was great. And a fucking parent comes out. What are you doing, my kid? Shivering comes out. Then everybody's coming out. Hey, what the fucking the police are here? Like you know, and they just swarm them. Like you know, and all because. They were like, fuck, we're looking after the welfare of this kid. But because they're cops and the whole area is like literally fuck the police, like this is like they're the assholes. Like not the fuckhead parent that had their kid on the road. Like, and this is, I'm sure, uh, multiple cops will agree with this is the shit that they have to deal with. Like, even though they're trying to do the right thing, population doesn't see it that way. So, and, and they start getting hostile with their approach and their uh, verbal stuff. And so, Officer Smith is telling a Holdridge, fucking keep your head and move back to the car and don't do anything and don't say anything and don't fucking like, you know, we don't want a riot kicking off now. We're going to get attacked if you do anything. So, just keep cool. And you can tell she started to, she was getting shaky and the, and the PTS was almost kicking in at that point. So she managed to pull it together. She got in and they got a radio to go and attend to um, this other officer, um, uh, Officer Gannick, played by Ian Castleberry. And uh, so when we see this scene, Castleberry's scene has already happened. It's not a spoiler. You see it in the preview, you know, of the guy. He approaches the car, gets blown into the air. Like, he doesn't get shot. He literally just gets fucking sucked into the air. Like, so that's kind of where... Um, uh, so, there's, like I said, there's no spoiler on this. This is how he dies. You know, the, he, he dies. Before that, you get a good um, moment of how he's viewed... Because he's going to this regular place where he gets his coffee and his donut, whatever. And he walks in and, and on the news it's reporting about another police shooting of a African-American kid. And he walks in and the whole fucking diner just stops. Like, and just looks at him and just gives him the stink eye. Including, um, now he's not white. I don't know what nationality he is, but he's not white anyway. And they're giving him the stink eye, and then the owner's giving him the stink eye, and it gives him the money to pay for the donor. He goes, your money's not good here, get out, kind of thing. And so it's this cold reception, you know, like, you're fucking hell. So you get to know, you know, this is what it's like, kind of thing, and how he's... So innocent officers that are going to have to do with the stuff are copying it, you know. So they get in the car and he's going there and then he sees a, um, a van. He goes to pull it over and this is where that incident happens. So we fast forward to Officer Smith now attending to this call out of an issue with another officer not reporting. 
they go there, they find blood and teeth on the bonnet, and they start investigating, and that's when they find his body. This is the gore, oh shit moment they went there. I I was not ready for, to see his body, and when they showed his body, I was like, fucking hell. Like, so I had to mark this down as gory. Yes, first time horror film, but gory, so caution with that one. Uh, that's really the only gory kill you get in this, but fucking hell. Like, I was just like, whoa. Like, and I thought, okay, I'm starting to like this movie now. This is getting my interest. And from then on, it just got better. Like, you, you follow, you're really invested in Alpha Smith. She really wanted us to get to the point. Holger's just trying to, kind of following her as much as he can, but at the same time, he's shitting himself about his job uh, while she's doing it because she's kind of ruffling feathers, you know, as she's doing it, as you would, you know. Um, and uh, these other officers start getting topped off, like, by this supernatural entity. Like, uh, really brutally as well. So, um, and that's, uh, I'm just trying to see if I can go on any further without really kind of um, spoiling it. Um, yeah, this is kind of really where it's going to go. I've got to kind of stop it here because, and, and really encourage you to check this movie out. Because as she's starting to investigate it, you start to learn what is going on. And then there's the kind of the reveal and the plot twist and the understanding of what's happening and the story behind it. Fucking tragic. Like, and, um, so, <clears throat> and, and it's just phenomenal. Like, uh, but so, but when the, when the end credits rolled, I was like, what a fucking great movie. Um, so I've got that, I've got it down in, in my horror list. It's gone into my ghost section of my, of my uh, horror collection. Definite recommend. Uh, great great story but like i said dark water with cops that's that's pretty much it uh and uh yeah really really good um a suspenseful movie not a massively long one so an hour and 36 pretty decent you can bang it out in an afternoon or on your lunch break or whatever if you've got a long, long lunch um so yeah definitely check it out definitely recommend beautiful all good Cool. So that's that's my reviews and uh, two horrible mentions uh, for the cop horror episode. I hope you enjoyed it. Uh, like I said, I'm going to include the um, podcast episodes to listen to Ralph Sarchi. Um, when I was filming this episode, uh, we uh, had just passed a couple of days ago where it was National Remembrance Day for the police here in Australia. So I just wanted to put that up and and say thanks um, to all the police officers currently serving and uh, who have died on duty um, looking after the community. Uh, thank you. In my line of work, I work closely with the um, AFP, the Federal Police. They're a good bunch of guys. You get to know them a lot. Uh, they're really, really good. Uh, a, a bit of crypt keeping before I go on. Uh, so at the moment, uh, Halloween Kills is just a couple of weeks off from me here uh october is now rolled in so it's now uh, halloween time so pretty exciting i've uh, been storing some of the shadow episodes aside ready to stockpile some good uh, some good horror for halloween uh i'm working over halloween so i've got to try and gauge how i'm going to do this but i'll do a uh, halloween episode obviously pre-recorded beforehand um in there 
Um, I've been invited onto another podcast as a, as a guest, my first guest appearance onto another podcast, which is fantastic. Very excited about that. So today's video graveyard uh, has invited me on for their shot in air and um, episode. I'm going to be talking about uh, Return of the Living Dead. So very excited about that. It's my favourite horror film. Um, and so we'll be, I'll be talking about that. Um, in the meantime, I've been contacting with local uh, creators, artists and stuff. I've managed to meet Dion from Tie-Dye Everything. Um, I'm getting a t-shirt and a hoodie made uh, and uh, looking at the designs. Fantastic guy, really easy to commit to. Sure, we're looking forward to actually meeting him. Uh, another horror fan as well, so that's great. Um, and uh, yeah, so definitely check out his page, Tie-Dye Everything, uh, on Instagram. Um, and yeah, just in Instagram him if you want to prove the tie dyes are back. So now, I mean, I'm seeing fucking Elvira tie dyes, Fangora tie dye. The tie dyes from the 90s are back. I love it. I remember tie dyeing my own t shirts. Um, my mum showed me how to do it because she used to tie dye her stuff in the 60s. And, uh, you know, when all the tie dye crazes were coming in, oh, mum, I want to get this t shirt. It's like fucking $40, $50. Mum goes, fuck that, I'll make it. Well, I guess. So she, you know, tripped down a spotlight. Uh, and, uh, yeah, so the, uh, the Australian material place, uh, international viewers. And, uh, yeah, she just, one afternoon, we're just like, okay, what's the colours that you like? Yeah, this, right, cool. Laundry sink, right. Do this, 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 and this. And end up tie dyeing my own shirt. And then I went to a casual day, because casual days are big in primary school, uh, showcased the cool t-shirts you had as a kid. It was a big deal. So I rocked up with my tie-dye, and uh, everyone liked it. They were like, where'd you buy that? And I was like, like what do I say? Uh, my mum's laundry sink. I <laughs> said, so I can't remember. I got it as a present. <laughs> I didn't want to say that me and my mum made it, because be, they'd be like, mm -hmm. like, you know, you get paid out. So, um, yeah, but uh, cool. So yes, I uh, so yeah, he's going to be uh, doing some tie dye tops and uh, hoodies for me. So I'm looking forward to it. Uh, it's going to be awesome. Um, yeah, Dave's video grave out as well. Definitely check them out. Um, so I'm very much pro um, mix hosting, being on a show, inviting you onto my show. That's kind of how I want to do it. I want to do collaboration, not competition. So it's. If you if you're watching this, you want to be on the on the thing, even video link. If you're overseas and you you want to do like a Zoom call or something, and we can do a conjoined co-host episode, love to do that. Uh, that would be great. Um, like I said, I'm still kind of getting my head around the technology side of this stuff, but I'm getting better at it, so uh, which is good. Um, and the months off between episodes has helped me kind of get my shit together in that way uh, of uh, self education and self-learning through the how to do the whole podcasting stuff and i've been love learning it it's great it's really interesting so uh yeah if you if you want to get in contact with me definitely contact me via instagram is uh you can message me that way uh the facebook group um adelaide horror podcast on the facebook group my youtube channel where you're watching this subscribe like the video um and leave a comment underneath or i can uh, comment with you i comment to everything if you write to me i write to you that's just how i am uh and uh yeah so um send me a message on instagram i'd love to meet up with you um yeah and do uh, collaborations and that kind of stuff i'm not saying collabs i'm not saying i'm gonna slide into your fucking dms i'm too old for that shit 
like it's just gonna sound weird. Uh, so yeah, I'm, yeah, that's why it's got a, <laughs> that's why I didn't say that. It's funny, uh, but uh, yeah, I'd be love to contact you. Uh, it'd be good to have a chat. I just love talking about horror and I love meeting other horror fans. It's it's gonna be great. Dion from like I said from Todd I everything massive horror fan. So yeah, like I said, looking forward to meeting him and and uh, having a chat and it's good and uh, that's the fun thing about this podcast it's it's let me meet other people i would have not have met like so that's that's what i'm really getting a kick out of this uh, and been enjoying while i'm doing it so yeah cool anyway so that's that for crypt keeping uh yeah that's all good so that's it for everything uh thank you i will have an episode pre by the end of the it won't be a month's time there'll be a a couple of things happening in between time so you'll get a couple of more episodes coming soon um so yeah cool thank you until then stay scary and i'll see you in the creek